disagree with that. We thank you just that in your presence we are changed from one degree of glory to another, Father. We are thankful that you would grace us with your presence, Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Holy Spirit. Thank you just for what you have done in our hearts this morning, Father. We thank you just for that, Jesus. We praise you for that. See that as so valuable, more worthy than gold. This one moment in your presence is better than a thousand elsewhere, Jesus. We thank you for that, God. We praise you. God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thanks, worship team, France. Almost feel bad that I have to now preach after that. Um, yeah, thanks, Franz. I mean, worship team, but I have fond memories of worshiping with Franz. I think it was like back in 2013, we were on a mission in Kenya, and it was an open sky night, and we just were sitting out on um, like this pastor's lawn or something, and we worshiped, and it was just. I've had multiple experiences worshipping with France that I felt the presence of God in such a way. And yeah, you're really a gift and obviously everyone really thankful just for God in that. Um, Sorry, just give me a second just to open my slides here. Awesome. Make a coffee date to have them. Um, connect with them uh, again. It's the, I'm, I'm talking about community today. And yeah, if we had more time, I would have told everyone, go meet someone else that you don't speak to that often and fix a, a coffee date of sorts with them. So... This morning I'm continuing on a, a bit of what I shared last week, maybe just for myself to see how many people could join last week or have heard or seen the message. just want to get an idea. Okay, awesome. So choosing community um, is choosing community in an individualistic society. Okay, so if we're in the Western world, so we tend to have very strong individualistic influences. If you go to the East, it would probably be different focuses that um, influence the fabric of our society, how we think things, and ultimately the lenses that we see things through, how we interpret. Even scriptures many times is influenced much by um, our underlying culture. And I think to start with, for many of or community is not an optional add-on. Um, many of us 
might have grown up in a Christian context. So you used to go to church every Sunday. It's something you do, and then it's almost like your duty that you have to do towards God if you're a good Christian. You know, you go to Sundays and maybe even Sunday school, and you tick all the boxes, and I mean, surely then God is happy with you, and he, um, you in that way can have him off your back. Now, we have renewed our minds. We know that's not how we think, but sometimes there might still be traces of that in the way we think, in the way we think about church and community, almost as if it's something that we tick box approach, that we just do and move on. And these days, I almost want to say with... Uh, more intense individualistic culture that we find ourselves in, we might see it as an optional add-on. Hey, I'm that type of Christian that likes to do a little bit of community. You know, it's, it's cool for me, but you do you. Um, but I think it's important as, for us to note that um, community is part of how God designed us as people to flourish. He hasn't designed us to operate or live outside of community, not even do the tick box approach. I'll almost go, in my opinion, to say that, I mean, if we seek God and we deliberately or unknowingly avoid community, we'll limit the extent that He can move in our lives. It's difficult, I think, to really say, we desire to follow Jesus, to follow God, and not be super intentional and invested in community. I think if we go search ourselves, we can't say we want Christ, the head of a body, and then say, but his body, not really part of his body, I'm more like a lone ranger, you know, I do my own thing, I'm a bit more creative, I do as I feel. It's, it's not part of a package. And I think especially in doing city life, many times we can think of Cape Town as a big, bad city. And we long for, especially if you come from the Platteland, you know, the small towns, big yards where everything is quiet, is slower pace, you know, and it's not the devil that's on your back the whole time through traffic and noise and all of this. And we can almost find ourselves starting to think that is heaven, that's where God is, but I think it's more components of that that is shown through community. And by the way, um, I liked when Matthew spoke last year about the heavenly city. You know, it didn't speak about the heavenly platteland. It said, city, city of gold. It's going to be 2,000 kilometers wide and deep. It's going to be a really big city so we can get used to loving city life, right? Um, but here's the thing, and just to, to why I'm saying choose community, and I'll come back to that in a short while, but we need to choose community. We don't have, it's not thrown upon us, and that's how it is, so we've been born into this culture or something, so now we just do it. We need to make an intentional choice to choose community, to say yes to community, to say yes I want to be part of it and wait for it. I want to sacrifice for it. That's what it comes down to. Are you worth, willing to sacrifice for community? If you forget anything that I say today or from last week, in short, it's about aligning our priorities with what is important to Jesus. If 
we say we want to follow Jesus, we need to align our priorities, and then ultimately, like we said, our desires with Jesus, not intellectually only. No, Jesus never said, hey, you guys need to agree with me. No, he never said that. He doesn't require us to intellectually say we believe what he said. He said we should follow him. Is a difference. Sometimes you might not agree with Jesus, but you follow him. I think that's more right than saying you agree with him, but you don't follow him. Um, so that's what it's about. And last week we went through that verse in Joshua, where the whole idea of choosing him comes from. Joshua, with the Israelites, they came out of, the prom- out of Egypt. God promised them the promised land. They inherited the promised land. He freed them. And he delivered them from slavery. Not only did he take them out of Egypt, but they moved from being slaves, having nothing, to having something, the inherited land. So he restored them as well. And then Joshua said, after they have received these things, he said, now you have to choose. Isn't that funny? We would have almost thought that God would stand there, okay, if you want this, you need to do this and this. That's what I sometimes do with my son, Josh. You want a mentors, I'll give you a mentors, but you have to do these two things. Don't judge me. Um, (laughs) It's maybe not the best way, but come afterwards and please help me. Um, So, but we have to choose, and we see God gave himself to us, and we see that in the New Testament, he gave himself through Jesus to us unconditionally, and then he still asks us to pick up our cross and follow him. So we need to choose, and I think that's just a big thing for us these days, is decide what life you want to live. I know in some ways that might sound like new age, but there's a place where we need to choose what we want. We need to choose to follow Jesus. We don't follow Jesus grudgingly. It's the right thing to do, and if I don't do it, then this or that. We need to make that choice to say, yes, I'm going to follow God. And when we make that choice, we need to let that decision flow into the rest of our lives, into our behaviors, the way we prioritize and value things. Now, that might sound like Big words in a way, but what we value is what we sacrifice for in the end of the day. Okay. Um, and just moving on, choosing this, it's why do we have so many choices and what drives our decisions? Because if we want to say we want the desires of God to be in our heart, we need to realize our decisions are driven by our desires. You know, sometimes we have Sunday school answers. We know what's the right thing. So even for ourselves, we tell ourselves, this is the reason why I'm doing these things. Um, But underlyingly, we actually hope for something else, another outcome. And we speak about, it's a book by K.A. Smith that speaks about this, uh, that our desires are driven by idea of a good life. Uh, that's basically the ultimate end of a Greek word, I think, is stilos. So what is that ultimate end that our hearts are pointing to? That's what's going to drive our decision-making long-term. I mean, whatever the desires of it in your heart is, is at some stage, is going to come out. You're going to act it out in some way. You might tell yourself, now, this is what I want to do. But if your desires is contrary to that, 
without intervention, you're going to live them out. And, you know, I think it's Tim Keller that said, like, our hearts are like idol factories, you know. We tend to continually design these idols that is going to save us from our suffering, and we hope that's going to appease all of that. And if our uh, idol has been our ultimate end, so to speak, that's what we'll gravitate to. So it's about getting to those real desires. I have a picture on there where it shows a girl looking at a city. That's the telos, ultimate end, where we're beholding the ideal life. The whole time, in the back of your mind, you have a narrative. Each of us can sit and go write down what is our ideal end in life or in the next five years. We have a hope for how we think things should really turn out, good or bad. Um, and that's what we set our hearts on and what would drive our decision-making. So if you want to do an MBA in five years' time, obviously, if that's a big thing for you or to be in a position where you require an MBA, you're going to do the sacrifices to obtain it. So there's a next picture that shows that ultimately it's our hearts that drive us. Contrary to sometimes our modern-day thinking that's if you can think it, you can dream it, or that it's only renew your mind. And, I mean, the scripture is obviously accurate, but how we interpret renewing your mind is intellectual knowledge. If I read all these books and things, then obviously I'm going to follow in that direction. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. We can read all the books, but if our hearts aren't renewed, we're still going to follow in whatever is our heart's desire. Okay? Um, Proverbs 4 speaks to that reality so beautifully. The NLT says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So, in a way, we can almost pause there and stop, and all of us can go write down what's important for us, what's the desires of our hearts. I mean, with Google's access these days to our lives and things, I mean, if we could pull a report, we can probably show what's all your behaviors, how you spend all your money, and it would summarize for you what is your desires. But I think what drives this idea home is if we have a picture of a map. Imagine we were all on our way. We all said it's our desire to reach Joburg. Okay. It should probably be the other way around, right, Declan? I mean, no one... If, 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 if you feel that you need to move to Joburg, you'll pray and fast. But if you're in Joburg and you feel you need to move to Cape Town, you just say, thank you, Lord, and you move down, right? Um, I mean, you, you, everyone from Joburg, you know that, right? It's true, right? I mean, you, you don't go and despair about um, if God calls you from Joburg to Cape Town, but if you have to do it the other ways around you, you want community confirmation and all of that. So, but let's say... We're going for an outreach to Joburg for a while. We're not moving there. Um, and we put the GPS in for Joburg. I mean, no, no one jumps on the road without having an ideal end in mind. And it's the same with us in our lives. But sometimes we operate as if we don't have an ideal end. We just go on about life one day into the next and hope things works out well. But... I mean, in life, it doesn't work like that. So we need an end destination. And, but if we think if your real telos, your ideal end is Durban, you actually want to end up in Durban, but we're all on our way to Joburg. 
I mean, you're going to be happy to join in the ride till we get basically up to a bloom. And then you're going to say, sorry, guys. Actually, I feel I need to go to Durban. And that's not a problem. It's just sometimes we deceive ourselves in thinking that we know what's our ideal end. And then at some stage, we get off a proverbial bus and we follow our desires, right? And that's why it's so important to be honest about ourselves. It's not about performance-drivenness in any way, but it's just to be, to be clear on what is those desires. That's probably going to determine our decisions in future. I have a slide on there on some general desires that we might have. Desire for success, desire in providing for our children, desire for a nice home with a garden, a husband and a wife, desire for good education or career that is respectable, desire to do good things and just become financially independent. All, all good things, but those things can become ultimate things. Those things can become the things that drives our behavior. I can get a husband and wife and Ultimately, that's actually why I wanted to be in church because I just wanted to get a you know, good, trustworthy husband or wife and now that I have him, you know, I have him. I don't need church anymore. It's, it's quite burdenous, all these church activities and stuff. So we'll exit. And I mean, you can play that with each one of them and just the fact that us being honest, it's nothing wrong with finding a husband and wife in church. I'd advise that, please. If I, we could do a dating thing right now, we'll play matchmaking, and I'm sure we'll work it out. I mean, in India, they do it that way, right, Debbie? Maybe they have like a, ser a sermon series where you come to church, you get married, and afterwards you go home with your husband or wife. Imagine that. Arranged marriages. I think there might be a place for it. Of you have to trust the Lord, right, if it's scary. It just deepens your dependence upon him. It, that's a joke. Just maybe some people might not know that's a joke. It's a joke. We don't do that, although I don't think it might not be that bad idea, right, Diane? Um, okay. So, I had this picture that I showed last time. Um, and just for me, it just represented the undercurrents in our culture. We might be looking to Jesus, our aim, our ultimate end. Um, if it, it doesn't look that bad, right? I see you're frowning at my picture, but I think it's okay. It's not that bad. Um, I see your facial expressions, and if you fall asleep and all those things, but I make as if I don't see it and I move on. Um, but today is great. It's not as warm as last week. Um, so, anyway, hmm? okay, okay, I, I know that my eyes aren't that good either. So, just these undercurrents, right? We put our focus on Jesus, we're all about following Jesus, but there's undercurrents in our society that doesn't lead to Jesus. Well, actually, it leads basically exactly in the opposite direction. And we would need to go upstream if we want to follow Jesus. What are some of the underlying beliefs in our society? You have to be true to yourself. In the end, do what makes you happy. And no one should tell anyone else what is right or wrong. Go watch a movie, listen to a secular song. You'll get this repeated time and time and again. 
That's what it's all about. You have to be true to yourself. In the end, do what makes you happy. And no one should tell anyone else what is right or wrong. For me, it was quite scary when I heard that because I realized there's a lot of times that I think like that. That's almost the framework I use to decide, okay, should you chat to someone about this or not? And that's what I said in the beginning. It's part of our almost Western culture. Individualism almost summarized. And maybe you read that, but I think it's like the first commandment of a satanic Bible is basically do what you want, right? So that makes it even more scarier, but we're not here to be scared. But just we need to realize that's a reality. If we don't do anything about it, we're going to go downstream. Um, and if we don't choose it, if we don't choose in which direction we want to go, we're actually making a choice by just going downstream. That's then what we choose. So the road of least resistance is basically individualism, one of, uh, in our society, one of the uh, um, underlying things. And we'll, I remember Green Day had the song, I Walk Alone. And I listened to that thing so much, I don't know if someone can remember that. I can't remember the words, but don't sing it, Harry. But <laughs> it, it, it was like an anthem for me at that stage, you know, I Walk Alone. And it influenced the way I do things, how I think about things. And that's just one song. And we tend to make those songs anthems, although, no, no, intellectually, I believe in Jesus. I'm just listening to this. But it's speaking to our hearts, just depositing the rules of life, telling you how to act. You can be Christian, but still believe just what um, yeah, the world wants you to believe. So in those roads, don't lead to Jesus. Okay? Um, James 3 verse 13 just speaks to that dynamic for me a bit. Because we're all about, we want the kingdom of heaven to come on earth as it is in heaven, right? We want to follow Jesus. We want to see our environments change to become like the gospel says it should be. So this piece is termed um, wisdom from above. And it says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And that kind of like summarizes up for me in a sense those three points we looked at as well. Just jealousy, that continuous comparison towards those around us, whether it's in ministry, whether it's at work or in sport in life, we, we always feel we lack, so we in, then get even more selfish in terms of being able to compare ourselves with others. And that ambition is uh, with a focus on self and its desires, doing what I want. I almost want to say, well, don't want to say, I want to invite you afterwards, if you go back to that slide low of the three points, if you can almost, if you can relate to that, that's something we need to renounce and pray through. I don't want to say daily, let's focus on praying for the truth, but pray with someone on those things because it's going to be something that probably will influence be around for the rest of our lives unless you move to 
India or China, I think it looks different, that side, when you need to do something else. Um, and just those three points speak so directly against what Jesus commanded us in Matthew 16, 24. Um, he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? We see that to die to self and give up our rights comes against exactly those three points. Just to be ourselves is what we would say, but Jesus says we need to deny ourselves, lay down our lives, seeking our own happiness. It's that selfish ambition that the Bible warns us against. So following Christ means receiving him as Lord and not to let the world tell you what's right or wrong or tell someone they can't tell you what's right or wrong. You're under the law, if you're under the lordship of Jesus, you follow his lead, his words, and what he says. And that's something we need to turn our hearts towards regularly. Check those desires on our hearts. Jeremiah 17.9. I'm giving a lot of scriptures. Don't be overwhelmed by it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And that's just basically the reason why we need to continually choose in which direction we want to go. We're not taking the Holy Spirit out of us. It's still to follow the Spirit. But we need to realize we can't say we follow the Spirit, but not follow His principles and what His Word says about it. So we need to be very intentional in assessing where we're going. And that brings us to the point, okay, shucks, I don't want to follow my own desires. I want to walk according to God's ways. What do I do? This was a recap of last week, okay? But I think it's important because in a context of what we're preaching, I'll try and keep it short, but I, I think the best is yet to come. You can stay awake for that. Um, so what do we do? Now we say, we want to follow Jesus. We want to reassess our heart's desires. Let's look at what the psalm says. It's because of community that I have this. Debbie sent it to me during the week, and I took it like that and just put it down exactly like that. Thank you, Debbie, and thank you, God, for community. Um, psalm, how can a, man, a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart, but I might not sin against you. So we can see it starts by, with the word. And then the next uh, on that bottom says, Psalm 19 verse 12, but who can discern their own errors? I'm just going to read that. So we, we're blind to our own errors. And that leads me to our sermon, which is community. That's why one of the reasons why we need community. Now, I think community, biblical community, fellowship is a cornerstone to our faith. It's not a nice to have. It's not something you can do one day. It's a cornerstone to our faith. If you're if, you're, if you find yourself somewhere in the Himalayan mountains and you have to create community, then that's your other option. You either create community if you're alone or you join community. Because that is where we grow. 
I mean, of all the people that I've seen speak into my life, I cannot think of one that whose relationship in Jesus wasn't formed by community, that key interventions in their lives wasn't formed because of people coming together to seek Jesus. Um, I can 100% relate to your testimony, Ruth, about just when we come together. Um, I think for me, with like intercession, it's like that. I can't pray on that level when I'm on my own. Not that I'm trying to pray levels or anything, but there's just a new dynamic that, that kicks in. I tend to pray for myself and things I think is important, but when I get into that, it's almost like God picks me up and puts me in another mindset, um, and that's community. So that's where our gifts get formed. And just in terms of, I mean, Ben preached about community and kunanaya. How do you pronounce that, Ben? Kunania. What he said. Kunania. <laughs> uh, Acts 2, X2, verse 42. He had two sermons very wonderfully unpacked that. Go listen to that in terms of just those principles. DB unpacked just membership last year as well. So refer back to that. But as part of our values as a local church, we have two values that for me speaks directly to community. It's family on a mission and home in the city. So you might even not know it's family on a mission because it's, we've mentioned it so much, uh, the, the taglines, but it's actually values that we feel we don't not, we, we're not going to compromise on that and we seek to grow in that more and more. That's what, how we feel God is leading us in this local congregation. I'm going to read it quickly. In Christ, we become a true family for all eternity, no matter who we are and where we come from. We are all called to Jesus to become one. We want to live this ideal out to the full in warm, caring, burden-bearing, community-forming, sacrificial love. We further believe that this family of God has a call to the world, a mission to bring in all the brothers and sisters that are not yet crafted in, to intercede, share, disciple, serve, together as a family with God on God's mission. And then the next one, home in the city. We believe God's church is home for all of us, especially for those who have no home or is far from it. The city is very individualistic place where, where a warm home is not easy to find and neither is part of a vibe. Um, we believe we are called to be a home in the city, a place people can find refuge, nurture, a sense of belonging and purpose, sitting down together for a meal around a table as a sacrament to us. We believe a table is where real family meet and where home is experienced in the presence of God. I think that's amazing. Um, and that's part of what we, as a local congregation, there's seven. So these are two of them. I'm not going to go into the others. But just that we want to grow in. And um, grow in and that we currently hope and what we put our energy in. Okay. Just wanted to mention that. Okay. So now we're really starting with a sermon. Daniel, is that okay? Elsa, it's going to be good. Don't worry. I really hope so. Um, Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the um, day draw near. So this is the most important part of Christian formation, I almost want to say, is community, not neglecting to meet together. Um, like I said earlier, I feel like if you follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, he will lead you either to form community or be part of it. Otherwise, it's difficult for me to see from Scripture how you can say you follow Jesus, but you're not committed to the body of Christ, the local body of Christ, slotted into the body of Christ. It's not only going to church Sunday, but I think for us to almost trust God to move our hearts to that place where this becomes family in, in that sense. So growth happens in community. I have a picture there that how I see community of the fire. Um, many of you might know it, but I mean, if you have coals in a fire, as soon as one of those coals gets taken out and put outside the fire, what's going to happen? Stephen, you know the answer. It's going to die. Not in a good way, not in a way in picking up its cross. It's going to cool down. It's going gonna, it's gonna to lose its heat. And that's what happens when we isolate ourselves from community. The fire of God, the stirring of what he wants to do in us, we're almost aborting, ejecting that out of our lives. Maybe not consciously, but that is what happens. We get isolated. And community is so powerful in that sense. Because, Daniel, when we got married, I mean, a big thing what I realized is how community contributes to your marriage. Um, I'm saying that to Daniel because he recently married, but I'm saying it to everyone and myself. But... Um, I mean, it's almost like in marriage you can easily think the other person needs to fulfill you and it's always pressure on them to do everything right and they need to deal with your issues and this and that. But in community, that load is shared. I mean, we have a privilege of living together with Runal and Diabia for quite a while. And for instance, in that, that's a, maybe a more intense um, step of community, if you want to put it like that. But that has, for me, helped a lot just in our marriage, just in terms of bearing the weight. And I think with community, it has that role to play within your marriage, opening up your marriage so that it's part of community and then the needs can be shared in that way. How do we meet together? I mean, Sundays, small group, ministries like intercession, worship. I know they spend a lot of time together. We do camps, missions. Missions is a great way to spend a lot of time with people. Um, and then the obvious thing is just to fellowship and bride together outside of church activities. That's actually, in a way, an important part because it shouldn't just only be calendar things or calendars are good, but it, shouldn't, it should be spontaneous relationship as well. Obviously, that just doesn't happen overnight. We need to work towards that. We need to be intentional. Um, and we need to try and fail at it. But we need to become part of each other's lives. I mean, Daniel is praying this afternoon just for that reason, right? I know. Next, next one. Um, so, the, 
this is an AI picture. I like AI now. I can also have cool pictures and not draw them and have people laugh at me. Now it looks impressive, right? If it doesn't, just don't say anything. So, but when we do it together, we take on a different shape. When we do community, it's not only for me that I join community, but in the kingdom of God, we take on a different shape. Have you seen wild dogs? I mean, one wild dog doesn't look impressive at all. I mean, I almost feel there's no danger to it. I don't know if one wild dog is dangerous. I don't think so. It feels like you can kick it. Um, <laughs> if it's in terms of protecting yourself, eh? we're in Cape Town. We all love animals. Um, so one wild dog isn't dangerous, but a pack of wild dogs are ruthless. They can kill anything. It's amazing. But the individual dog doesn't really amount to anything. And that's, there's something of that when we come together, Vanessa, when it's not only me or only you, but us together, where, and I've seen it like on missions in church in a lot of places, it just changes shape um, in terms of what together we can do in the kingdom and how God flows through us. Um, the verses speak to that. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there Jesus says he is. Um, some things are only conquered through community. I mean, marriage as an example, for instance, those two people coming together, is, they, can, they have synergy. They can do more than they individually would have been able to do otherwise. And that's how God created it from the start. It's not the world's idea. That's God's design for man. You were not designed to be on your own. Individual, individual society views this coming together with suspicion. We tend to think, what's wrong there? Do they have something to hide? Um, but we need to realize that's how God made it. Arnu, this slide is for you. Um, the best team of individuals in the World Cup versus the best team. I mean, doesn't, that's a sermon on its own. The best team of individuals, that's, they said those are the best individuals that played in the World Cup, but most of those people didn't win the World Cup. And you have a different team that won the World Cup. And it's just that tagline, you know, stronger together, there's truth in that for us. When we come together, we don't have to be individualistically strong or excellent on our own, but when we come together, there's a blessing. Think of David and his mighty men. Another quick one, I'm in the, next slide, I'm in the entrepreneurial scene, and this one guy, I think it's Marika's previous boss, did this study. Um, uh, what is the strongest predictor of entrepreneurial success? And they said, research has shown it to be the frequency and quality of interactions between entrepreneurs. That's community. I mean, again, that's how God created us. That coming together, there's synergy that happens to that, and all the more when we do that um, in the kingdom. I mean, this, this sermon that I'm preaching came from community through times in prayer, when we did intercession, books that have been shared with me through community. It's a culmination of that. So I want to encourage you to start dreaming in the context of community. Trust God that you can dream in the context of community. Have it as an ingredient doing things together. Make it a value in your life. Quickly, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, the one that speaks about the body parts. I'm not going to read that whole 
um, 12 to 27. I'll read these ones on here. For just as the body is one, and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one in body, so it is with Christ. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And the other parts of the scripture that's not on there speaks about the different parts of the body and how the eye is not the hand um, and it cannot expect to be the hand and do the same work. And it speaks about the visible and invisible parts, that some parts are invisible like the heart, but our hands, for instance, are visible, but they all are needed. The body cannot be outside of all the body parts um, and the body parts alone is not a body. So all are needed, um, and that's just for us to know that just like the body principle, we need to, to be together. We also see, like I've mentioned, Christ is the head. We cannot be with Christ without being part of his body. That's a principle. It's make it part of your life. There's diversity and unity, though. doesn't mean... That because I'm a hand, um, I'm not included. We see in that diversity of the different body parts, there's unity and it works perfectly. Um, the body is not just the pastor or church staff. It includes you and me. That's why we need to choose to activate ourselves. We need to choose to be part of it. We have to align our telos, our ideal end, with God's plan, and God's plan is for his body. Um, so don't redesign your life outside of God's ways. Use God's ways, and within that, we follow God. But what's the problem with community? Suffering, right? There's a cost to count with being part of community. James 1 verse 2 to 4 speaks to that. That choosing community is saying yes to Christ and becoming like him. The only problem is we don't look like him currently and many times there would be suffering or various trial part of his journey for us to become complete, lacking nothing, becoming like Christ so that we can represent him. Um, so we need to choose to receive his sufferings. And you know there's going to be legitimate suffering um, Things that you haven't done wrong, but that is done wrong to you, especially in the context of um, community. You might not be received or noticed. Your contributions might not be received or noticed in the way you were hoping for it to happen. And that feels like rejection. It's really bad. I mean, it's painful. You sacrifice all of this to be part of community, and then you feel rejected, and then it's like, I just want out. I mean, if they can't receive me, then I'm going to be going back to my own or something. And we sometimes want to run away. That's fine, but that's suffering, right? Scripture says, what should we do? Rejoice. We count it as joy because it's doing the perfect work of conforming us to Christ. Because remember, our desire is to become like Christ and follow Christ. And therefore, we rejoice in suffering. And the nice thing is, with community, you're going to have a lot of suffering, a lot of various trials. Not because it's your fault or my fault, or, but collectively, 
it might be a mix of all of those. The more people there are, the more variables there are for things to go wrong. Uh, but scripture doesn't say that's a problem. It just says remember to rejoice in those circumstances because God is even using this to refine you. How amazing is that? But he gives us the gift of community and he's not going to take us out on our own and test us there, but he's going to use community to make us more like Christ. That sounds like a two for one for me. Eh? Uh, Yaku, that's amazing, right? John 17 verse 22. I think it's the last verse. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know you, that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. I think becoming one is God's dream. It's God's desire for us. If you want to focus on what's God's desire, it's for us as people, his church, to become one. This is the prayer Jesus prayed, one of his last prayers um, where he almost asked things of God and this is one of the things that he asked, that we may be one. That's one of his desires, why he died for his body, for the bride of Christ. That's all of us. But that, that's a supernatural desire that we almost need to trust God for that oneness amongst us. So, in close, starting to close, it's a difference between me and you and us. Me and you is individualistic, and us, there's another dynamic. Um, there's a year-to-serve attitude that kicks in when it becomes us and not what I'm going to get from this. And then, last bonus extra scripture that I didn't tell you of is Matthew 4. 13 verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. See, no price is too high if you really value it. And that's what it comes down to. We want to follow Jesus. The uncomfortableness, the suffering that's going to be as far as we become one, it's going to be high. The question is, do you value following Christ and do you value what he values enough to pay the price for it? Because even in here it says, any joys he goes and sells everything. The price isn't too high to obtain the kingdom. And breathe in, everyone. Breathe in as we close off. That's it, I know it was a push. Um, so I would like us with that we just go to the last slide, um, second last slide. What is your response to choosing God? Your desires, your time, your money, your energy, and what will your story about community be? Five years' time, what would the story be that played out? Would you have chosen to follow Jesus in being part of community, going through the multiple trials that you will face in becoming like Jesus, are you going to opt out? You can opt out. It's just not what Jesus said you should do. So in following him, that's what it's going to take us. But I want to encourage you that you can do it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's going to be difficult, but it's going to be way better than it's going to be difficult. The, the riches that we get as being part of community is way better. Um, 
So with that, I would want us to, maybe we can end off with worship or just for ministry. And I want you to, if there's things that you just want to agree with someone in prayer, come to the front. There would be leaders and elders to pray with you. But anything that you want to align in terms of those things that maybe you feel um, the, the thinking of the world has influenced you and you just want to consecrate that or you want to just consecrate your decision to be part of community and to slot in. I want you to come to the front and that we pray together through that. And if there's something like maybe you listened like me too much to Green Day and um, being a Lone Ranger and you realize in your thinking you pride yourself in being independent and a Lone Ranger. And I want you for that also just to, to come. Just so that we agree because God wants to bless you through community but you need to be able to receive it and want to receive it. So with that, we can...